This is Pete Moore wanted to officially announce the release of Time to Win Again, 52 takeaways from team sports to ensure your business success. I wrote this book over the last year. I think you're going to love it. Good to great meets Where's Waldo. Pick them up for your team. Time to win in 2022. Happy to come to your club, your studio, your company, and talk about ways we can optimize business and win going forward. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC, on location, Dallas, Texas, with the honorable ex-president and chief of URSA, Brent Darden, a new close friend of mine, and a man who took us through the pandemic, and now he's allowed out out to play again. So good to see you. <laughs> yes, thanks for having me. I appreciate the honorable part. That's uh, that's the high, honorable. That's, yeah, that's very nice. Very Probably nice. from some Netflix show that I watch. It's <laughs> buried in the back of my Dropbox brain. I am much more relaxed today than I was just. I gotta a few tell you, you kind of look it too. Yeah. By the way, yeah, yeah. you look like. I still got accountability and responsibility, but not on my shoulders. Someone else's, right? It's <laughs> That's like, right. <laughs> so we're going to spend uh, next 20, 25 minutes talking about some of the silver linings that came out of COVID. I don't think we need to replay the uh, the roller coaster ride that we've all been on. But I think there's some key takeaways, you know, that you were helping spearhead and, you know, questionable whether, you know, we come out the other side and this might have been something that we needed to, right. you know, get our act together. Um, so for the five people that don't know who you are, you want to just give you a quick uh, bio and then we'll uh, we'll riff away. Yeah, uh, the quick bio is uh, I've been in the health and fitness industry my whole career. Got my degree in exercise uh, physiology and exercise science and did a lot of work in the corporate wellness arena. Uh, many of you may know I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which is one of the biggest places for Fortune 500 companies. So there's a lot of corporate wellness programming here. Mm -hmm. And I spent my early part of my career doing that for many of those companies. Then I went to the Cooper Aerobics Center as the vice president for almost a decade. And we, then, we just had uh, Dr. Cooper on. Yes, awesome. this morning. Yeah. Yep. And uh, his 90s, like I'm like, what, what, what kind of vitamins and supplements do you take? I'm gonna start now. Yeah, he's uh, he still can share the story, can he? If you it's can unbelievable. Keep it's up. incredible. It really is incredible. And uh, then I owned a club called Telos Fitness Center, which was a luxury brand here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I've also currently chair many of the Rex Roundtables, which people are familiar with. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, um, you know, just to, to reiterate, you know, you coming in and taking this on when you did, you know, is like crisis management. 101 and you got us to the other side so you know thanks thanks again for for stepping up so let's talk about some of the things that you saw evolve in that you know as of now you can look back and say hey here's a couple of silver linings here you know from this whole covid experience yeah so let's start uh, maybe with the overall picture rather than just ursa specifically i think you know we've lost here in the u.s we know 25 26 percent of health clubs closed permanently mm -hmm. And many would say we were due for a market correction, and I would be on the side of that. Mm -hmm. I think everyone I talked to as a consultant and with Rex over the last decade or so in across, around the world would say, wow, we're just there's an option on every other corner yeah. right, of fitness. And so I think this has been healthy after we get through it uh, because it has – decrease some of the market size, as bad as that kind of sounds. So that, that's yeah. one silver lining, I think, that's come out of it. 
Another is it's forced everyone as crisis does. I always say crisis breeds progress. It breeds inventiveness. It Mm -hmm. breeds creativity. It forces people to really look at their business, to get leaner, to get meaner, to be more efficient. And so, again, I think coming out of it, as harsh as it's been and as difficult, we'd never wish that on anyone. I think the clubs are going to be healthier. I have the opportunity through Rex to meet with, you know, 60 club operators from around the country on a regular basis. And they all, to a person, are recovering well, mm-hmm. slowly but well. And uh, they've learned a lot of lessons going through this that are going to serve them well into the future. Yeah, for those who don't know about Rex Roundtables, I feel like there's been, they've taken that this up a level. You know, the game that, that, that that's being played now and the amount of connectivity between these operators, you know, all I hear is good things out of the Rex roundtables and this knowledge and the sharing of, right. you know, best practices. Um, so, so hats off to you and to, to Eddie for really optimizing that. Cause I think people needed education. They also needed support groups and they right. needed some little bit of business uh, group therapy, you know, maybe a little misery loves company, but also misery loves, you know, recovery. Right. 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 So, um, good thing. So maybe just for, pause for a second. Tell us what you're doing with Rex Roundtables and what somebody would get out of that if they were part of one. Uh, Eddie's uh, running, I think we have, uh, he has, you know, 18 different roundtables, not only in the U.S., but some international. I lead four of those for him. And they really are, as you said already, they're peer-to-peer is what it's all about. So it's mm-hmm. not sitting and listening to a presentation or to my a diatribe about what people need to be doing. It's really them sharing among themselves and facilitating those discussions. But the bonds they create and the sense of community that comes within those is what really you hear about. Yeah. Uh, some of these uh, roundtable members like Joe Cerulli at Gainesville Health and Fitness, he's been in it 24 years. He's never missed a meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't expect that of him anyway. Yeah, but. And, and people join and uh, they get a lot of return on investment for it. So it's a, it's a great product. Yeah. I feel like this industry is very special when it comes to people being open about what's working, what's not working, what their issues are, you know, taking advice from other people. Whereas other industries, I think it's a little more combative and competitive and like, hey, you might steal some of my market share. Right. Here, I think it's like, you know, maybe it's because of, you know, we only got 15 to 20% of the population. So if we can just get another five or 10%, everyone wins. I would agree with that. And one thing I would say based on your comment right there, that kind of we do only get about 20% of the population or in some cases a little bit less depending on where you are in the yeah. world. In the U.S., we're you know, right there about 24% of the population belongs to a, quote, gym. Mm-hmm. So as we went through COVID and we were deemed sort of non-essential, one of the points I would make with people is, hey, how many people, if you talk to a group of 10 people on the street, 10 out of 10 want the restaurant open. Yeah. <laughs> Eight out of 10 want the bars open for sure. Only two out of ten give a crap That's whether a great the health point. clubs I never are really open or not. I didn't think about it that way. So part of yeah. the pressure, you know, just societal pressure about getting relief and deeming us essential right. is, to a degree, our own fault. We haven't penetrated the market to the level that we should. Uh, and that's another silver lining, I think, that really has been brought home to us through this pandemic, that we've got to figure out how to reach more of the inactive market, that mm-hmm. market that doesn't darken our doors how do we really help get them 
in better shape. You, yeah. you referenced Dr. Cooper this morning. He told that story so, so well about mm-hmm. all the benefits of being physically active. Yeah. And that's what we provide. Yeah. But uh, it's not being taken advantage of by the medical community, by the elected officials. You don't hear any of them talking about, well, we've got to get everybody moving. Yeah. And, and we just need to do a better job of that in the industry. Yeah. So, you know, from a standpoint of the Rex roundtables that you oversee, you know, what are some of the um, either programming or thought processes or actions that people are taking that you're like, okay, they didn't do that before, you know, now they're, now they're you know, they're spot on and they're kind of like ahead of the curve. The first thing I would say, which everybody's familiar with, is expense reduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's gone to a whole nother level. I mean, really looking at every single line item because they were so crunched financially forced them to decide, hey, the trash is being picked up three days a week. Can it just be picked up twice? Right, right. (laughs) Uh, Do I really need this interior plant maintenance contract or can I water a few plants and cut back on on that, including all the payroll costs that they've looked at and maybe not having a marketing team anymore, a sales and marketing team, but spreading that out like many of the low-cost operators have already done fairly effectively, doing more online sales. Mm -hmm. So part of uh, the adjustments they've made is they've leaned up their organization. And now as they're going forward, their revenue is not what it was pre-pandemic, for sure. hasn't climbed back there yet. But their expenses are down and their margins are up. And so the lessons they've learned about how to do more with less, I think, is a, a big part of what was learned. Gotcha. And when you look at, you know, all the different capital providers that are coming into the space, whether it's, you know, Planet Fitness has 25 private equity funds in their in their network, 10 Orange Theory area developers are backed by private equity. When you started to get involved in URSA and became the head of this going through that that path and trajectory, how did you think about who the owners are of these businesses, how we could potentially get them involved, whether it's just for crisis management or even longer term, mm-hmm. you know, did, is the, the financial community is here to make money. Right. And, I, and I'm not sure that they've understood that they, you also have to be here to, as a trampoline for us, you know? Right. So, so what was your experience there? And, you know, where do you think the, the touch points are? going forward? I don't know if that's a question or just a thought. Well, I think uh, as I was sharing with David before we started, um, you know, the Earth allowed me to see the clientele from a different lens, really, than most people get to see it. Right. So the independent operators that own one, two, and three clubs, the studio operators, they really appreciate the education, the content, the knowledge, those kind of things from the Ursa organization. But if you're an anytime or a planet or a lifetime, you have all that in-house, right? Yeah. You're recommending the equipment. You're giving those franchisees the playbook. Mm -hmm. You're telling them how to operate the business. What they really hope from Ursa is the advocacy piece. Right. And I know But it wasn't funded to to, to be set up that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was like, it was like, oh, Ursa this, Ursa that. I'm like, hey, guys, they've been running a trade show, which has been awesome, and it grows every year. Yeah. And we've got all this education. I've got all these data stats that I need in order to get the private equity firms to invest in the space. I need the de-Ursa data. Right. Right. And then uh, the, you didn't put any money towards advocacy. So what do you expect? You know, what do you expect? Right. So I was like a defender of Ursa because uh-huh. they weren't positioned to do that. Right. Well, and for those of you that are listening that don't know, uh, Pete's on the advisory council for the National Health and Fitness Alliance, which I think is 
a fabulous step. It's taken us in the right direction. Earth is really swinging now with the new CO in place, you know, yep. around advocacy. So we're heading down the right path. I think that's going to be shifting and changing. Thanks to you and I appreciate you volunteering. Thanks, and well, thanks for, for having me on there. And um, I think my voice has been heard. And um, we've got some pretty robust set of initiatives that I think are going to allow just to be creating a recurring revenue donation stream or fee stream, right. which I'll tell you about off camera or off audio, off mic. Um, so, you know, going forward, you talk about some of those groups, you know, we're, we're, we've got this industry association, but we don't have LA Fitness. We don't have Planet Fitness here. Obviously they have their own conventions. Um, do you think that there's a separate set of commandments that they would want versus what we would want? I don't think it's separate. I think, you know, one of the things we accomplished was we restructured the whole dues structure mm -hmm. and what a membership of URSA includes. And now with our premium membership, they're excited about that. So Lifetime is joining URSA. Okay, great. Uh, uh, because Breaking of news on Halo Talks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we've heard that verbally. Okay. Uh, and uh, Liz is going to Minnesota next week to seal the deal and, and get that actually accomplished. So Great. that new membership model is exactly what they wanted, and that's why we designed it for those people specifically. And there are a lot of independent operators that are going to that as well because 75% of that premium dues line goes to advocacy. So almost all the money, the vast mm -hmm. majority, is going to support the advocacy, which is where they want the focus to be, so... Gotcha. So as you look back on your, you know, tenure going through this crisis, what, what, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's locally trying to get, you know, whether their county or their mayor or, or their state, you know, I don't, I personally don't know the name of any of the Congress people that are in the area that I live. Um, we had a radical idea to say, let's put up a LED display and, and has the, the congressmen and women who support the Jim's Act and here's the ones that don't. You know, here's like green right. and here's red. And, um, you know, how, how much of a uh, tangled web was it when you, when you got involved to try and figure out like, hey, if you don't have somebody who knows how to like coordinate things in Washington, like you can't just, hey, it's a pandemic, like I'm coming in, you know? Right. Let me into the room if you haven't been there. Well, like so many things, it, it is partially about money. You've got to have money to get things done, uh, and you've got to be able to contribute and get the attention of the elected officials. At the same time, like so many other things in life, it's also about relationships. Yeah. And that's where, as an industry, we've, I think, fallen short. We didn't have the network and the relationships on Capitol Hill to get the things accomplished that we needed. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to say that that's changed dramatically. Do we have a seat at the table? We absolutely have a seat at the table now based on all the work that's been done by everyone over the last couple of years, all the grassroots campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to the quorum site at ursa.org and see, to your point, which congressmen and women are signed on, which senators are signed on in support. Uh, so that's really changed dramatically in the last year. Not that we don't have further to go, but I remember early on in the pandemic, I can't even count the number of times I heard people say, we just need a voice. We need a seat at the table. We've done that yeah, as an industry. Yeah. Now we've got to capitalize on it and make sure that that's something that continues forward. You and I have talked about uh, one of the other silver linings is that state alliances were formed right. really out of necessity and, frankly, out of desperation yeah, uh, to try and get their clubs open and keep their clubs open. 
Uh, and now with the NHFA in place, I think hopefully we'll have a platform and a vehicle to keep those continuing into the future. Because after COVID goes away, the common enemy to a degree will be lost. Right. And the challenge will be even greater to keep people interested and participating and engaged on how do we maintain the momentum that we've built politically, right? Yeah. So as you look at the industry, kind of like at a 30,000 foot view, and you see we've got all these connected fitness hardware players, we've got apps and all these subscriptions, we've got all the bricks and mortar. Are you hopeful like I am that maybe these connected fitness providers should be using the health clubs as a showroom and then give the health club operator 30% of the sale, just like they would a, a retailer? Do you see some of these connected fitness providers potentially taking content from the local health club and popping it up on their on their hardware? Or do you think like we're in for, you know, like a VC versus private equity, you know, battle of the Titans, you know, heavyweight now, match? I would say the former. Uh, and I've talked with a lot of people about this. And the truth is, I've been in this industry long enough to remember Ursa. 30 years ago, did a big research study from a third party looking at people that owned home exercise equipment and belonging to the gym. And, and what was that number again? Overwhelmingly, you're much more likely to be a member of a health club if you also owned home gym equipment. Right, yeah. And I don't think that's changed. So I definitely view it as complimentary. There's definitely a group of people that are only going to do the online connected fitness stuff. But I think the vast majority of those people see it as a compliment to the in-person experience that they get in health clubs. And the numbers are bearing that out, right? Yeah. If you've been in a more open state like Texas, Florida, Oklahoma, Arkansas, et cetera, the runway, once they've had the opportunity to be open, is great. They're getting more members. Mm -hmm. They're setting records as so far as membership sales go. Uh, so I think it's going to be a complimentary thing. And, of course, a lot of clubs, and I'll just use the name, Peloton, have mm -hmm. had Peloton in their clubs already. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a great service to provide. So I yeah. think uh, we need to figure out ways that work together. Yeah, look, I mean, Peloton, you know, obviously they own Precor now, but the, the fact that they were there when people needed them, you know, I thought it was amazing. You right. know, like obviously the stock shot up and all the bricks and mortar companies are, you know, we're in distress. But, you know, I think it was a good thing that we kept all these people working out. For sure. And um, there really should be a collaborator and not uh, not deemed a competitor. Right. Because um, I don't see the future of humans, you know, relegated into their apartments to do everything. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do a Zoom. I'm going to uh, ride my Peloton. I'm going to get DoorDash and then... You know, and work to, from home. Yeah, and work from home. <laughs> okay, and try and find a social life somewhere in that continuum. Right. Probably not going to happen for you. That's right. Um, so, so public service message, get out of your house, get to a health club or a studio or just walk around, get right. outside. Um, so in, in, in closing here, you know, what, what's, what's your plans going forward? You know, you've obviously been very influential across the industry. Um, it's great that you're doing the Rex roundtables. You know, what, what else do you want to accomplish or do you want to just uh, hang out for a little while and take a deep breath? Uh, the honest answer would be I want to hang out for a little while longer <laughs> and take a deep breath. Uh, you know, again, it was, it was an honor to be asked to step in at Earth. So I was kind of in the semi-retirement stage and uh, I'm back to that now, which I get to spend my time doing a lot of things I enjoy. But one of the things I hope to influence going forward about our industry is We've got to change the message point a little bit to be more attractive to the broad 
society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've, again, we've done it to ourselves, and I'm guilty of this as well. When you look at our marketing pieces and our messaging, it's healthy, fit, attractive, young people. Yeah. Go to people's website, that's what you'll see. Look right. at their marketing and advertising, that's what you'll see. Yeah. And when I had the opportunity to work with the World Health Organization, which is the first time they've ever asked URSA to be a part of those conversations, mm. they helped me realize that for many people, the word fitness is frightening. Right. Yeah, it's a challenge that they know that they can't Right, it's a bar that's set it. too no. high. And yeah. so we've got to learn that when we say fitness, it is frightening to some people because they don't know that they can walk for 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And so while all of us are worried about HIT and we're worried about uh, the, you know, the booty blaster in the gym and, and right. uh, all those types of activities, the rest of society is just trying to figure out and get in their behavior how to get in the habit of walking around the block every day. Yeah. So we've got to make a shift, and that's one of the things I hope partnering with Dr. Cooper. Again, I worked with Dr. Cooper for a decade, so I was really steeped and brought up in that sort yeah. of mindset of it's really about getting people to be active wherever they are and then incrementally increasing that and helping them change their behaviors overall. So that's where I hope to maybe have some influence in the future. Yeah, I feel like um, there's going to be a wave of gamification and, you know, challenges that are group challenges that are not necessarily create any kind of anxiety or, you know, can I finish this? And especially, I think, with the Apple Watch and some of these other connected devices that people are going to say, hey, I could do that. And I'm, I'm hoping that also some of the videos that people have done at home, you know, maybe they tried out a hit workout at home or they did a bar class and they realized, oh, wow, I, I can actually could do this, but I would never step foot in a club right. or a studio to try right. that. That's crazy. Like, I might have a heart attack, right? right. And you're like, okay, I did it at home now. Okay, that intimidation factor is down. And then we just got to focus on making things fun. Right. People just want to do fun things. And I feel like sometimes we get caught in this results, you know, have it now. And maybe right. that's not what everybody wants. Like, you want to go bowling. Why? Because it's fun. You know? Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to become an expert bowler. I'm not trying to, like, have a wicked spin. I just want to go have fun for two hours. Maybe that's, like, what we got to infuse back in that we're in the entertainment business also. Yeah, I think, uh, and uh, this is a little self-reflection, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but when I first got to Cooper, and this is now 20-something years ago, right? Yeah. I noticed that we had a, it's a very senior demographic at that sure. place, but uh, particularly I saw seniors that would come in, and they'd drink the free coffee, they'd read the free newspapers, <laughs> back when everybody was reading newspapers yeah. uh, and they'd hang out and they might, might go out and work out, you know, for a few minutes. Right. And I thought as the vice president there, oh, man, these guys, they're just killing me. You know, come on, just come in here and work out. And, you know, the coffee's expensive and blah, blah, blah. And then now that I've been through that with my parents and seen them with dementia and declining health and mm -hmm. being relegated home and not getting out of the house, I'm like, that was a complete wrong attitude, right? I don't care if my dad doesn't walk around the track or touch a piece of equipment, but if he'd go to the health club to see his friends, hang yeah. out, get out of the house, and have that sense of community and improve the mental well-being, yeah. fantastic. So it hit me, it didn't hit me until six years ago, I went to this um, uh, Clinton Health Matters Conference in, uh, in Palm Springs, and uh, it was Clinton, and he was interviewing the top three uh, health insurance companies and, and Aetna 
CEO of Aetna was like the first one. He's like, what's the biggest issue in the healthcare industry? And the guy without even skipping a beat or thinking, he's like, loneliness. He's like, loneliness is the biggest issue. And he told the story about they had a woman in South Florida um, who's like 86 years old. And um, they, they picked her up and they took her out of the house and they brought her to like an activity center. And he's like, I have to keep people involved in a community because if they're involved in a community, they're happier. Right. Right. Because we are social animals, which some people might have forgot. Um, but also just having that 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 responsibility and, and accountability that, look, you know, people are going to see me, you know, so I'm going to dress up. I might take a shower. I might brush my teeth. You right. know, I might work out. I might even if it's only. 100 steps to, to go to the, the, the van and then 100 steps to go in. Like, that's 200 more steps than you would have taken, you know? Right. So I think it all starts with having this community and, and having it more open like you're talking about. Like, we shouldn't put up these pictures that are aspirational to us and like, yeah, right. that's, who, that's who we are, but that's not really where people start. That's Maybe right. we should show where you start and then where you can finish or just where you start is, is fine. Right. You know? So... So in closing, you got any good uh, business quotes? Uh, I'm sure you've been peppered with uh, with quotes over the years or business or personal or anything that kind of sticks in the back of your mind. Uh, no, I, I kind of referenced the one that I have used over the last uh, year, which is it. crisis breeds progress, breeds inventiveness, and it breeds bold strategies. And so I would encourage listeners to embrace that. This is there's an opportunity that comes right now yep. uh, with the closure of so many clubs, with the changing dynamic, with the heightened awareness, uh, not even just in the U.S., but around the world about the importance of maintaining health and being physically active. We've never had this opportunity presented in our lap before, and mm-hmm. it's upon us to take advantage of that in, in every way that we can. Yeah. yeah. And stop selling price because what you're bringing value is worth 10 times what you actually charge. So yes. just remember that. Sell results. Exactly. So great to ha- uh, see you in person. Is Likewise. that the first time I've seen you in person? I think so. Oh my God, I feel like that's crazy, but okay. Um, we've probably Zoomed many, many, many hours. So thank you for getting me on the NHFA to help what you were doing and uh, sincerely for, for stepping in here into a, a crisis management situation that I don't think many other people could have taken on. So thank you. I appreciate, appreciate that, that and I appreciate your support all the way through. You got it, brother. All right. Good to see you.